2: Welcome to another episode of the Summer Racing Podcast, one of the better programs of the entire carnival is upon us, headlined by the Kevin Sharkey Elwick Stakes in Hobart. It's been hard to find a time this week where my podcast partner could put down his plaster board, but we've got an hour or so on a Friday afternoon. Bear Robinson, how are you, mate?
1: G'day, Snap. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, it's been a busy week, but... Um, I look forward to our uh, hour of discussing Tasmanian racing. So hopefully we have some good content in the next hour today, mate.
2: Well, we'll need to keep it snappy. We've got another big podcast. Uh, We saw, well, you had a chat. I was listening in to uh, to Nick Foote, who some of our listeners might not know of the two units, podcast and website, and he's an AFL umpire, if you don't mind, not just a, a footy umpire, actually in the AFL. So... He's kind of a big deal, he's a Tassie boy and it was good to hear his thoughts on racing and and how he goes about it. Uh we'll quickly recap the three meetings that have that have been uh held since we last did our podcast and a huge program in Hobart no less than five feature races there so uh that's where we'll spend most of our, our time but uh I might just start with you. We'll do a little quick round the grounds. We had Devonport Cup Day last Wednesday. A uh, very quick backup into Launceston on Friday. And, and again, Lonnie, on Wednesday night, what caught your eye?
1: I thought uh, Devonport Gup Day was a great day. I actually love the training uh, performance of Glenn Stevenson on Turk Warrior. They obviously identified after the 1,200 metre new market that potentially they weren't going to be able to get a victory um, in any of the way for age races. So they've really targeted to uh, their horse, the carpet charge, which obviously was worth nearly 70,000 to the winner. And that was a great ride and a great training performance. And I think uh, going forward, that horse is still going to be very, very hard to beat in the way for age race at Launceston. Is that next week? The twelve hundred of the week uh, after.
2: Yeah, it's the Friday program. The Launceston yeah. Guineas and the Ladbroke stakes are on that program. Yeah, and I've I've heard a whisper that uh, Rebel Factor will be among the nominations for that race.
1: Yeah, beautiful. And also on the day, obviously Ziggy uh, wins another Cup. Daniel Ganson was very stiff. He rode a peach on the Wolf and um was just it just went down narrowly. But I I actually probably the um the Wells family had a great day as well. But I think going forward, if you see Brendan McCool engaged in any of Michael Trinder's horse, um, it's probably a good punting sort of proposition. Uh Brendan was able to jump right hook out and was never going to lose and paid $758. So, um yeah, that, that was a great day's racing. Friday probably wasn't, didn't fill me with that much enthusiasm, to be perfectly honest, snap. Um, Wednesday was a little bit the same, but uh definitely all roads lead to Hobart on Sunday. It's a cracking days of racing out there.
2: Yeah, punters didn't have any favours with that Friday meeting, sort of the the Wednesday acceptances, you're getting through cup day, then all of a sudden the the prices were out come lunchtime th- uh, Thursday. I was making the drive back from Devonport. I'd only done half the card, which I had to do before I checked out of the accommodation in Devonport on the Thursday. Uh And, yeah, so that was interesting. But a couple of thoughts from me uh carpet charge we touched on it i think in in snap special just a huge success uh, off the track as well. It was great to see all the sporting clubs involved. A really good story with the Rosebury Athletics Club actually drew uh, Turk Warrior, and I think a few of the athletics boys were old sparring partners of Steve-O on the footy ground, so it was an interesting subplot to see mm-hmm. them win and a really good story too. Uh, great race, two progressive horses sort of fought it out in the end, Turk Warrior and Emily, uh, and we touched on it before, but, I mean, Turk Warrior probably doesn't really have anywhere to go after the new market without that race and and seeing Steve-O and Ismail and and Connection celebrate that win. It, It was as big to them as any of the wins that he's had so far in his career. So really well done to all involved. Uh, You mentioned Team Wells. I was lucky enough to get on the right side of a couple of them, but a real lesson going forward, watch out for Team Wells <laughs> on Devonport Cup Day. Uh, they'll be good for a sting or two. They had three winners there. Uh Launceston on the quick backup, it, it was a tough one. Unfortunately, Bear, after trying to get hold of Super Swoop at 41s and 81s and big prices, he did the job at, it's four dollars. Too
1: soon, mate. Don't go there again, please.
2: Yeah. We we call that one uh having a, a chat with Jack Higgins, who I'm sure will be listening to the pod at some point. Oh. We, we call that one the reverse boost when they win the the start after you jump off at about the tenth <laughs> of the price. So uh, that was fun. And just on the Wednesday night program, there were a couple of really good stories, but there were a few for the tape watchers, and credit to you, this was one that you found from We'll call them battling stables. They don't have big numbers. Kings on queens for Rod Seymour and swing king for Mark Everett. Kings on Queens was just a horror watch, stuck in traffic, bottled up, went to the line untested, swing King, four wide, no cover on speed, a couple of good old-fashioned watch the tapes, and and they put up big prices. They will backed accordingly, and and if you did get the odds, you were pretty happy with what transpired on both of those, straight to the front, get in the queue. So uh, well done to everyone that found those couples So. The racing's been good. They're coming thick and fast, and then we're into the Hobart program on Sunday where, yeah, we've got five feature races, the Elwick Stakes for the two-year-old Summer Cup, Lady Lynette, Thousand Guineas and Black Flash. But before we discuss those, Bear, a special guest on the podcast this week was a mate of yours, uh, Nick Foot of the, the Two Units podcast. Let's have a listen to that chat. We recorded that on Wednesday this week.
1: Very lucky this week, our special guest on the Summer Racing Podcast is a Tasmanian that's well known in the um, big circles of uh, the Melbourne racing scene in Nick Foot. Nick, welcome to our podcast.
0: Bear, snapper. Thanks for uh, having me on, boys. I'm very excited.
1: Now, this is big, mate. Like, you're part of the uh, the biggest racing podcast in Australia. Well, that's what you told me off air, so no, I'll, I'll those that don't know.
0: I'll happily own that on air as well. There, the uh, the two. If you not if you can't be a fan of your own product, what's the uh, what's the point of getting involved in doing it, mate?
1: That's true, and I, I think Nick obviously you're part of the the two units podcast with uh, the Sultan. I think definitely
0: all the brains of that operation. Am I correct there? One hundred percent. So he sort of just. Waltzes in, delivers the form and, and goes home, mate. But, uh, some, I, I appreciate you recognizing the work that goes on behind the scenes, just like, um, who's the, who's running the show here at Taz Racing? Is it, is Snapper got the, the technical side of things there or what's the setup here? Oh geez, that's probably an RFI
1: for me, so I've probably got to give it to Snapper at this stage early in our careers.
2: Bear's, Bear's, Bear's the talent. I'm doing all the hard grunt work behind the scenes.
0: I love it. Well, I could tell, I could, that was a loaded question, Snapper, because I think Bear wanted to uh, record this podcast on a, uh, on a phone call and I was like, come on, Bear, you, you owe it to your listeners to have a little bit better quality than that.
2: Very true.
1: Well, Well, I did go home yesterday and snap and, and, uh, Nick and Googled what you suggested I do yesterday, Nick, but I just didn't have quite enough time to, uh, organise this Zoom meeting myself. So <laughs> the ever reliable I'm snapper stepped up. Now we better get into it because I know you're, you're a man. You're off to a, a camp tomorrow, I believe. For those that don't know also, Nick, uh, is Tasmanian born. Um, he's also an AFL umpire, uh, who's umpired 186
0: games. Nick, is that right? It's around that, yeah. It'd be around 180 odds. So, yeah, I've been at it for, well, I think this is my coming up to my 12th season this year on on the senior list. So they're just flying by bear. It was a long time ago when I was umpiring you in the SFL Premier League reserves at KG5 (laughs) and North Hobart Oval. give you the red-hot tip.
1: Well, I've got to correct you there, mate. I actually think you turned my career around. I was at the crossroads. Brendan Barton had dropped me week on, week out, and then for some reason, Glenn Frame stepped in and gave me an opportunity. And I think you and uh, young Benny Leonard umpires out at KG5, and I actually got uh, a couple of three votes two weeks in a row. So... I just, I never look back after that game. So I really thank you for, uh, for you giving me a couple of soft free kicks. I think I was playing oh, a guy like, called Justin Harvey back in the day at Hobart and had 25. Oh, he on wore, him. did he wear the helmet? He wore the, no, nah, that was his brother. That was his
0: brother. Oh, okay. Geez. Not a bad memory yeah. though. It was banger Harvey, was it? That's him. Yeah. I remember him. There you go. Yeah. Big listener now, of the show, apparently. Yeah. Oh, I could just see him punting, <laughs> sitting with Snapper in a on a <laughs> Sunday
1: afternoon betting on Hobart races. Now, you're a qualified school teacher as well. I really want to know how you got it past Claire to just sit on the couch one night and say, I'm going to chuck in school teaching and I'm going to put all my love and attention into the horse racing game and start this podcast, mate.
0: Can you explain how that went down? It was a very one-way conversation, to be honest, uh, Bear. No, my, my wife, Claire's incredibly supportive of what I want to do. But I guess the, the way the podcast came around was I actually worked with, um, Dave Streel the, the Sultan who's on, on the show. We shared an office as PE teachers, um, for a couple of years and there was, it got to a point where there was more, conversation around who's stripping fitter and stepping up to the mile on the weekend as opposed to, uh, pedagogical studies. I guess you could put it in that for the classroom. So the form, uh, certainly dominated the conversation and he sort of was pretty active on Twitter and had a big following. And I sort of said to him, Hey, mate, we should start a podcast because we go on that many coffee walks and just talk about racing. So let's, um, put it out in the airwaves and sort of see who, who listens. And it took off and was, was pretty well received and um you know we've had some great support with sponsors like uh um I won't I obviously can't mention probably corpse on this show but we've had some great um yeah sponsors hop on board and sort of make it worthwhile as well and I don't know I was just sitting on the couch one night a Sunday night prior to going to to work in turn one and I was just feeling a little bit anxious and not wanting to go and I don't I'm a firm believer of if you don't like doing something, just, just don't do it and teaching something you can sort of fall back on. And I said to Claire, Hey, I'm going to give teaching a rest and, and give this a bit more of a crack. And, um, she was really supportive and yeah, 12 months down the track. Um, you know, we've launched our own two units racing service. Um, that's twounits.com.au with, you know, fully full racing content, staking plans, things like that. So the business is going along well and we're still doing the podcast and it's just heaps of fun. It just honestly doesn't feel like work. That's perfect. Actually,
1: for those listeners out there that haven't listened to the podcast, I highly recommend it. Last week probably went a little bit off topic though in the podcast. You want to elaborate a little bit on the Sultan's oh, massage experience or so, so, speak about that
0: well i'll let I'll let the Taz racing fans hop on and decide, but yeah, the first part of our show, like we we'll, I guess the first sort of fifteen minutes of our show, we've got a lot of friends and a lot of people that probably aren't as interested in solely racing, so the first sort of ten, fifteen minutes every week is a little bit of chat about. Everything before we get into the, um, before we get into the form. So sort of brings in some different new listeners, but, uh, it occasionally gets a little bit naughty and gets off topic. And, uh, <laughs> last week was our first episode back for 2023 and it was no exception, Bear. No, it was, it was well worth listening.
1: I did get a good laugh out of it. Um, obviously th- things are going really well, mate. You've been lucky enough to have a little segment on RSN. You actually replaced Dean Lester and Hamish McLaughlin. So. That's a pretty big deal. So you are a big, big name, but now you've got a show
0: on, uh, SEN called Turn Foot, mate. Can you explain how that came about? Yeah. So I started doing some work at RSN with, uh, Gareth Hall, who uh, I believe you guys have had on your show and he's just, he's just such a great fella and, um, you know, incredibly easy to get along with and work with. And he's supportive of, I guess, of, new people in the industry too, because I, like, it's probably important to say, like, whilst I grew up a racing fan, I wasn't a diehard from an early age, very much through sort of 2016 onwards. I really, really started getting into racing over here. Um So, You know, in terms of the racing scene, I wasn't one of those big traditionalists. I was was sort of a bit late to it. And and Gareth's really supportive of, I guess, helping people do what they want to do. And he uh, got us on um, to do a two unit show in RSN and he flicked over to SEN track and he was sort of handing me every week saying, come to SEN track. It's, you know, what you're all about. It's young guys doing things a bit different and, um, so I finally bit the bullet and, and went over there and I've started a show with him and, and, uh, Hugh Fitzpatrick, who's the, um, digital SEN digital guy over there and, um, content. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun and a really lighthearted look at racing from week to week, just things that caught our eye. We do a little bit of the Wednesday form. We get some guests on. We actually, uh, had Michael Browley on today, just talking about he's the uh, CEO of the Mooney Valley Race Club, talking about um obviously the the news around moving the Cox Plate a month back. So there is a little bit of a serious element to it, but we get Mitchy Beer on every week as well to chat to him, who's a good friend of mine and, and ours at Two Units. So yeah, it's just a lot of fun, mate, and it's it's a good way to sort of dip your toe into the media world, I guess. Yeah, and as you say, Gareth makes you feel very comfortable and he, I think he's really good for the industry
1: and, and his knowledge is second to none. Like, what he doesn't know about racing, is probably
0: not worth knowing. So, oh, just... I called, I, just him a, you, I called him a sicko this morning. Like, he was talking <laughs> about pacing and yeah. chasing and then he's flicking back to the Cox Plate stuff. I'm like, how do you know all this stuff? Like... Yeah understanding the thoroughbreds is just in one jurisdiction is hard enough. Like you guys are doing it so well in Tassie, but understanding racing in every jurisdiction Mm. is bloody challenge. You mustn't sleep, mate. Now, you just touched on then
1: 2016 was when you sort of got the real love for racing and that, I reckon that was about the time that you wouldn't have seen me, but I've seen you at uh, Flemington in the members and you had the chinos rolled up, no socks sort of uh, attire going on. And I thought, geez, footies definitely changed since those days of KG5 running around with a whistle with Benny Leonard. So, um, how did it sort of, how did the love grow then, I suppose, mate? Like, was it just living in Melbourne and it, spring carnival gets very consuming and you don't want to miss out or or was there other aspects that caused you to actually fall in love with the game
0: yeah it was just it it was it was gradual for me like because i used to love going like hobart cup was my number one day on the calendar when i lived in tassie in terms of like um partying with mates and and my my dad kevin he had used to get a super site every year at l week and all my mates had come along and that sort of sparked my love of racing but then i guess moving to melbourne i actually moved into a place at kensington which you could throw a rock onto the to the um bloody 1400 meter start from my place so like living so close to hq i'm like well I'm not a footy member. I'm not a cricket member like MCC or anything like that. I want to invest and get a VRC membership and, and, and support a club or or something in in Melbourne that way. And, um yeah, they just built the new stand at Flemington, so they had these offers for younger members to come in. And that was sort of how I really fell in love with racing and would just head to pretty much every meet at Flemington and start doing the form a little bit more. And then, um, you know, friends I made through footy and then through obviously teaching were heavily involved in racing too. So the passion, you sort of bounce off each other and it grows. And, um yeah, I just absolutely love it now i couldn't couldn't imagine a spring um or a, should I say a footy off season without going to the races,
1: yeah and I'm lucky enough to be a member of the v r c as well and i I don't think there's a there's a club in Australia that would be as good as they are like the engagement they have on in terms of letting members know what's going on and I was lucky enough when I became a full member. I got invited to the Chairman's Club for uh for a day on the oh, source, which how, is awesome. How good is it there? Oh, yeah, it's next level. Yeah. Seriously, I'm, I've turned up thinking I'm going to pay for my beers along the way, and like, no, 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 open tab here, son. Yes,
0: no, Mister Robinson, your money is no good here. <laughs> no, it is. <laughs> no, nah, it's brilliant, and like. As well, just the facility itself. Like, it's yeah. a lot of racetracks around Australia. You feel like you take a step into 1972 at some yeah. of the facilities, like the newsstand there and stuff at Flemington's off its head.
1: I mean, if anyone gets a chance out there to get to the rooftop bar, um, I highly yeah. recommend it there. Like, especially after the last, that's probably – What you really crave is, Nick, is that DJ (laughs) bouncing those tunes out like some of us older, more mature people probably stand out in the balcony and sip on a vodka lime and soda, but I'm sure you would be right in front of the DJ after the last.
0: You're painting a very, (laughs) very particular picture about me here, Bear. but no, I don't mind getting up there. John skins up there on the rooftop. You'd just be shitty. You can't take your top off, mate. (laughs) <laughs> oh, no, nah, the top's on, mate. Trust me. It's particularly that time of year, there's a few few carbs going into the body, and yeah, I'm, I'm wearing a double-breasted jacket at that time of the year. Don't worry about that.
1: <laughs> um, so you touched on you. Uh, you guys send a lot of form out to subscribers. How long? Did, how long does Nick Foot spend on doing the form? And uh, paint your ideal um, scenario in terms of how you do your form best. Like
0: what's what's the go to? I, I heard you like watching the cricket in the background at times while you're doing a bit of form. Yeah, I think te- like sitting on I've just renovated my house and I've got a like a new little deck set up there and sitting in the She's sun the podcast the test cricket on. playing well you've renovated. <laughs> no I got, got myself a sugar mama. Don't worry about the podcast. It's all it's all wifey. Um so yeah, I guess like from a from a like just a, be important, I guess, just to preface it by with the subscription side of things, like I'm I don't actually sell my tips. It's not something that I, I'd like to do, but um it's it's that's Sultan, he's the number one tipster at two units and it's his package there. But obviously I do my form uh I I study very hard for it for the podcast where I'll give a few tips each week um in our spec segment there. But I just love um yeah, sitting back. There's nothing better than this time of year. Bit of sun, bit of test cricket. Um, getting a little bit of a little bit of a tan as well. Um, if you can't tone it, tan it bare. So um it's good to get the rig out and <laughs> do that while you're doing the form, mate. But um <laughs> Yeah, very very relaxed approach for me, and it, it's it's really I think it's like, like quite cathartic doing the form, like because you don't worry about anything else, you just lock yourself away and think about the races and and look through replays and jump outs and some figures and things like that. It's it's a really nice um process. I really enjoy it. Oh, that's good, mate. I do have a
1: few hard hitting questions, and the last question I ask will be the hardest hitting. Um, hmm. Now, have you had a chance, firstly, to look at our program
0: on Sunday, Summer Cup, I had a brief look over the summer cup. I did. I, yeah. I looked into that race because I thought I bet better look into the feature if I'm going to go yeah. onto the Taz yeah. Racing, the number one Taz Racing podcast in the world. So if I'm going to go onto that, I better look at <laughs> the, the feature one. race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of, yeah, don't sell yourself short. There might be surely the Bev Show or someone out there does one as well, mate. Surely, it's oh not no, just actually
1: you. Bev retweets our thing when it goes on Twitter, so um obviously okay. he listens in. Shout yeah. out to the Bev. Excellent, Bev. Great man. Um, now, yeah, just for at, you, give me a tip. Now, yeah. Snapper has a love affair with a horse in this race, and mm. I think you actually tipped to win
0: the Devonport Cup last week as well. Yes. So you guys get along well. Yeah, well, I'm. I'll be interested. Well, Snapper's the expert, so I'm happy to see what he says about this. But I just, I sort of looked at three key runners in the race, and and the Swoop Dog is is one of those key runners, and. The horse in form and like that Longford Devonport Cup double is, you know, good going, but there has to be question marks on him over the trip because he's only had two goes at it. it was hot favorite a couple of years ago in that uh the Taz Derby where was beaten by the demolition Derby himself in explosive Jack mm. that day. And then in this race last year, followed that same form line through the Devonport Cup and finished ninth, seven and a half lengths down the track. I'm not sure if there was an issue with the vets or not there, but, um, look, rising three kilos in this race, uh, off that prep, I'm not sure is a horse that I want to continue to stick with. Um, I'll thank you for the fill up in the Devonport Cup, but, uh, is a horse in form that stands. Is off the page. The interesting one, I think, is Dark Dream, who comes over the cl- arguably the class of the field somewhat, but has been competitive on the country cup circuits in Victoria and New South Wales. And he's second up here off a of freshen. And last time he followed that same setup, he was only three and a half lengths off Banker's Choice and A Tissue in a, in the five hundred thousand dollar Ballarat Cup. And those two, I think, would start very short in a race mm, like true. this, but. The knock on him is he just doesn't like winning. Like, I think he's won one from 17 in Australia since returning from Hong Kong for the Hayes team. So it's pretty hard, again, to dive into someone like that. The, the horse who really stood out to me and I just watched the replay before of, um, her last start was Glass Warrior and, and she looks like she's back to her best. And that last start run over 2100 in Hobart was enormous because she sustained a three, four wide run for the best part of 1200 meters yeah. and was still pretty strong through the line. So it's also probably important to know here that that's the best figure she's run since the Launceston cut win in 2021. So I think from barrier four, she could be a little closer in the run and she's the one I've got on top, but it looks a really interesting race. And, it's really hard to assess a market when there's not any price stuff as well. <laughs> so I certainly won't be diving in. Um, Wednesday to Sunday, it's a big ask, Bear, but I hope I've given you something there for the Summer Cup.
1: Well, I'm actually agreeing with you, mate. Um, Glass Warriors' win to the eye was spectacular last start. And she obviously drops a couple of kilos, and a lot of the others she beat home go up five. So I think you're on the money there. I agree with Swoop Dog. Probably got to be a question mark of the trip. Last year was brutally run from memory snapper. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yep. So I mean there might be a question mark over the trip for the swoop dog, but I'm sure snap will find a, an area to put it in the the numbers, no doubt um right you've done your research there, Nick, I so thanks for that now, just a few questions to finish off
0: favorite track mm. uh Flemington, yeah, I thought so favorite horse um it's It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a left of center one, this one, but one of my favorite names was what didn't win a stack, but Osborne Bulls. I thought was one of the absolute cult heroes of mine in the Godolphin. I loved Aussie Bulls. Good VFL football, I reckon. Didn't quite make it at (laughs) AFL level. 100%. That's a great analogy. (laughs) Favorite jock? Um, this is a, isn't this just a fluid question? Um, I'd have to say, I'd have to say James McDonald. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Extraordinarily yeah. good. Best yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, you got any good punting stories for the listeners? I mean, just before you answer that, Gareth told us a tragic story where he had a horse going for a hundred K and it got beat <laughs> on the line. And then he had interviewed the winning driver.
0: <laughs> oh, well, I'm not going to top that, but I do. I've, I've had a couple of sick losses. I'm not a huge futures punter. And back in 2019, I had like a three leg futures all up and I just threw just like a $50 bonus bet at it thinking, yep. you know, whatever, see yep. how we go. You know, bonus bets, they feel like free money sometimes. Yeah. So you just turf them out there. And I had the bonus bet on it was Elise to win the futurity, um, mystic journey to win the Oz guineas and avilius yep. to win the australian cup oh, so no. <sighs> in that order so you get futurity Elise, bang i think six or seven bucks um yep. then obviously mystic journey who got to go back to your question she'd have to be there in one of my favorite horses too um oz guineas goes goes wushka does it yep. um and then it's all coming down to avilius in the australian cup yep. and this is 250 to 1 this um this bonus bet. So you're looking at sort of 12, 12 and a half grand or yeah. something. I think it was. And, uh, I was pretty confident. I remember I was going, I was driving from the Gold Coast to Lismore on this day because I was doing like a pre season cup match in Lismore for whatever reason. There was a game there and stopped off at Byron Bay for lunch. And I was just remember just thinking about this race the entire day and it was just getting going from bad to worse the entire day because. Um Hugh Bowman was having a few issues. He rode Aussie Bulls that day, rode second, got beat by um sunlight, got a rock thrown at him as he came back to the mountain yard, and then he um then he went home. He stopped riding for the rest of the day. So then Corey Brown replaced him on Avilius in the Oz Cup, and he was um, favourite, blowing out at the gates, and then, um, yeah, didn't run well and in the vets, I think, had some eye infection as well, Avilius. So everything that could go wrong went wrong that day, um, and I'm not a big guy of laying off. I'm all about letting it ride. So um, I just caught the loss, mate. I reckon he got hit over the head with a whip. In the last 100, no. 150, just from memory. Yeah. Okay. I'm, pr- I'm, I'm, pretty sure someone gave him some choice words for the ride on Aussie bulls too. Yeah. I don't blame him. Now, this is the hardest hitting
1: question I can ask you. Right. So it's sort of similar to how he asked him, do you have pineapple and pizza at the end of his podcast? <laughs> but... <laughs> <I love it. laughs> now, 2012, round two, Saints mm. v. Sons, Nick mm. Foot's on debut as an umpire. Mm-hmm. Are you more nervous bouncing the ball the first time or are you more nervous when my bold
0: boy goes into the gates to have his first run for you guys? 100% more nervous when my bold boy goes into the gates to have it his is. first run at benchmark it. 58 at Gundagai because, like, this is an easy question to answer for me because when I'm standing over... With the ball in my hand about to bounce it. Everything's in my control. Whatever I do is up to me there. But yeah. when you've got Jason Lyon aboard my bold boy, who <laughs> is the most erratic five year old gilding going <laughs> around, he's probably the fastest horse over the first 200 meters I've ever seen in my life. And then he just gasses it. But, um, yeah, that you got control in one and you've got no control in the other. I don't think there's any feeling like owning a horse regardless of what level it's running at just those nerves and um you know how you feel on race day or the race week leading up because and that's why we love the game isn't it hold on mate and that's why to
1: all people out there that want to get a share you know if you have a big share um the excitement the exhilaration you get from when your horse does cross that line first you can't match it and You answered that question how I thought you would, but I just wanted to ask, I haven't obviously asked (laughs) you that before, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's just an unbelievable feeling to have a horse. And then when they win, it's, it's just, it's second to none. So, all right, footy, we really appreciate giving up your time. I know you're off to a camp, um, for the umpires. Is it tomorrow?
0: Yeah. We're off to, we're off to Coffs Harbour. We, um, this, this year for the camp, I believe. The leadership group opted to go somewhere where the weather's fantastic and, and really warm and where, uh, I think we're 23 and pissing down for four days. Um, so, so it's always the way, isn't it? So I don't know how my, uh, 18 holes at Bonville looks on Monday, but I think, I think it's going to be pretty wet and wild. Long as that calf holds up, mate, that's all I'm really concerned
1: about. Now, are you going to be down over the carnival at all or is the commitments in Melbourne just keep you there for our
0: summer carnival? I w- I'm I'm eyeing off I'm eyeing off a trip down because I didn't get down over Christmas, so I'm keen to tie one in and yeah. uh, catch up with the family too. So it's definitely on the cards, but I'm just a week by week proposition, unfortunately, the way that my career is <laughs> and the way that I roll at the moment. Bear. Well, I can't recommend
1: a weekend highly enough than Derby on the Friday night, have the Saturday off, and then get into the Cup on the uh, Sunday. So. um You've got three weeks to plan that, mate. So I urge you to jump online and see if you can get yourself down here. Beautiful, mate. I'll certainly, uh, I'll certainly make it if I can. All right. Thank you again, mate. We really appreciate giving you up your time and, uh, look forward to listening to the two units podcast. It's a great racing podcast that also gives you a lot of laughs. So thanks again for your time, mate. Thanks, Bear.
0: Thanks, Snapper
2: really good fella bear interesting fella you can tell why he's good on the podcast he's got the gift of the gab he's pretty sharp uh Mm. the thing i took out of that not only listening to sort of how he does the form and the racing landscape but i guess it just goes to show how well the interest in in tasmanian racing that's kind of a lot bigger than our sort of little insular industry which you kind of get caught up in when you're a part of it
1: yeah totally agree um just back to Nick, obviously, we thank him for giving me up his time. He's, he's a very sharp man, and he says some words that I have no idea what they even mean. I just nod. So um, when blokes are doing that, they're very obviously very intelligent. It's just great that he's he's doing something that he loves, um, and he's been able to like make a, a career out of it now going forward. So hopefully he continues to do well. And if anyone's out there gets a chance to listen to his podcast, it's actually very humorous. Um, so, yeah, i um, he, uh he's a good fella, and hopefully his calf's held up, snap. Because obviously a bit of concern while he's on the camp, but um no, nah, he's he's doing really well, and we really appreciate him giving up his time. And as you touch on, we try and shine a lot on Taz racing for sort of this three month period. Um, but obviously it's getting out to the broader community, which is which is our aim, and obviously Nick follows it as well. Obviously being an ex-Tasmanian, but as you touch on, mate, there's more people interested in Taz racing than I reckon people realise.
2: Yeah, for sure, and I guess we'd encourage everyone listening to this podcast to to have a listen to that one. Uh Subscribe if you're you're keen on having a pun as a lot of people are outside of the Tassie jurisdiction. Those blokes are very good judges. Uh, on to Sunday's program in Hobart, there it, it's an absolute beauty as far as feature races go. It, it, it's Almost without peer, this program, in terms of the, the lineup. It, it probably Launceston Cup Day is the only other one, but we've now got five feature races. We will start with the headline act, which is for the two-year-olds. Uh It's the listed Kevin Sharkey Elwick Stakes. The shoe's on the other foot a little bit bare. I'm normally saying you're the one with the runners, but I've actually got a little bit of a share in, yeah. in one in this race. Uh, I'm not sure that it's going to win, but we'll touch on that a little bit later. Uh The Elwick Stakes... The the corporate snuck a market up for this one halfway through the Launceston program, might have caught a few punters unsuspecting, and the market's been knocked into shape a little bit. Uh, Cairns is the 290 favourite, did put up 340, Thoris of Meyer is $3, did put up $2.45, did Ladbrokes. Thespian Waters is three dollars ninety. They did put up eight dollars lead breaks, and there might have even been a little bit bigger elsewhere. Need Sugar six fifty in Countersphere nine fifty. This race, Bear, we discussed the two-year-olds. Probably I won't necessarily say that they're a moderate bunch. I mean, there's been limited numbers. We don't know necessarily how good they are and, and we'll learn a little bit more and I've, I've said that after basically every two-year-old race but we've got some exposed form I guess the the clear picks look to be Cans and Thoris and Meyer and the wild cards Thespian Waters uh lead us away with the Sunday's two-year-old feature
1: yeah thanks Snap um I, I think it's probably of the exposed it's pro- they're probably a very even lot um I was going into Cairns' debut run, or obviously we're both keen on Thoris and Myrrh, but Cairns, you know, won pretty convincingly then. So I probably thought of the race brigade Cairns was the one to beat, but obviously you'd have to be blind Freddy to not have seen Thespia Mortars trial at Longford a couple of weeks ago. And it probably went up a little bit big in the markets. I think one of the corporates even went up as you touched on slightly higher than eight dollars and it's been backed in accordingly. Whether that even itself out close to the jump, you don't know. Um just also out of the um the trial, I actually thought it got beat quite a fair way in the trial, but Island Warrior wasn't the worst trial, just uh hard held basically, obviously got beaten a fair way by Thespian Waters two trials ago but just thought I'm not saying you can win on Sunday, but I just think it might be a horse that we can follow over the next 12 to 18 months. I know that's a long, long range chat there, Snap, but um, yeah, it might be okay, Island Warrior. But I, in this race, I'll be backing Thespian Waters and Cairns. Thespian
2: Waters and Cairns, yeah. Look, I think they are the two. Uh, you mentioned Thoris and Meyer, um, and the fact that we were very keen on that horse and debut. I think maybe given the market move there, uh, and what Thoris and Meyer did that night, perhaps took away a little bit from the performance of Kant, who was extremely professional. She jumped, she kicked up, she held the rail, she did everything right, and she held a, a pretty reasonable margin back to uh, Need Sugar and Thoris Amaya, who's somewhat frank the form by running the Quinella in the Alexandra Plate. I know she hasn't raced since that run, cans. but you'd think that would have been a set plan by Barry Campbell, who's somewhat of a genius with these juvenile horses. So you'd assume that she'd take some improvement from that. I was pretty underwhelmed with the win of Thoris Amaya in the Alexandra Plate where he he did jump on the bunny. He found the rail, but... He sort of shied at the whip and jumped sideways near the post and, and almost tossed that one away. I think Barrier Eight's a big negative for him there. He he won't be able to cross to the fence. He's still got a lot to learn. So I can see why he came up favorite purely based on his dollar forty five and dollar fifty-five SPs, but I think there'll be a bit of a consensus to try and take him on and, and I think he'll be the drifter as we've already seen, two forty-five out to three. Just on the trial of uh, thespian waters bear one by seven uh just going back to the times on that day, so Julius was the fastest of the trials over seven hundred and thirty meters that day ran forty one seventy three um and Thespian Waters ran forty three twelve, which was almost identical time to to Craiglinger, who was scratched from the gates from a maiden on Devonport Cup day when heavily supported. Miss Tula ran forty three oh seven there alongside Princess Madowarka. Miss Tula flopped in uh, Launceston on Wednesday night, and, and Miss uh, and Princess Madowarka didn't get a run. Of course, they're older horses, so just trying to add that bit of context there that. The clock didn't necessarily back up the visuals as far as the dominance goes, but of course the horse is a two year old and we 're comparing against older horses there so the the devil's advocate for those not wanting to steam into thespian waters is yeah that yeah he he was dominant, but the time was only moderate, and he doesn't have race experience and all those things as well. Uh, the runner I have a share in in this race, not in the form guide yet, we're just waiting on some paperwork, is Oxy Bolt. Um, we do think this horse has ability. Uh, he's primarily in this race for a bit of experience, and I guess the the lack of depth uh to this contest. He went around at Longford on Tuesday, really pleased with how he jumped. That was a bit of a learning exercise there, and, um He might be able to beat a couple home, but I think he's justifiably a big price here. Uh This will be our $100 staking strategy race bear. I managed to pick up a little bit of ground on you in Devonport. 60 reward <laughs> achiever, 40 on Swoop Dog. I got my staking wrong and end up taking the bad price on the total. Swoop Dog was smashed. But <laughs> the running totals are now me, 530, you 646. Uh It's probably a difficult-ish race, this one, the Elwick Stakes, to try and extract a heap of value. The market's probably found the, key, the, the main chances, but which way are you heading?
1: I'm just going to take the cow's way out and have 50 on Cairns and 50 on Thespian Waters.
2: They do look the two, don't they? Um My market for this race, and it, it was a very difficult sort of race to assess because... Uh, I don't know what's under the hood of Thespian Waters. There's an extremely big spruik on him and, and he could just be a moral in this field for for all we know. Um I did have Cairns a slight favorite. I do tend to side with the, the race experience and and that came to the fore even in the in the opening race in Launceston. Uh, on Wednesday night, I had cans at 310, Th- thespian waters 330. I was lucky enough to get a little bit of the early price. Thanks to you, Bear, for giving me a heads up. Uh, <laughs> and Thoris of Meyer, I've got it, um, 420. So a bit bigger than the market. I agree with you. They are the two. Um, but in the interest of trying to create a bit of interest for this betting strategy, Bear, I might go a hundred on cans. Uh, smart play and yeah, just see how we go there I, I don't know what the market will do here i mean we've seen it with thoris admire just continuously botting me out i don't know where the floor might be to uh thespian waters i think it's probably stagnated a bit now as far as the early prices go but um whether the big players chime into that i think he's a he's a tough horse to line up from that trial because of what i said around the times versus the visual but We'll see how yeah, we it goes. Fu-
1: it's a funny one, Sap, isn't it? Like just with Thespian Waters, just to give an example, he's a sprue horse going into the meeting on Sunday. I got a text message from a guy I'm friendly with who works for Channel Ten in the he's actually a sports reporter, but we won't drop his name in case his wife's listening in. He sends me a picture message of Thespian Waters in the bet slip. A mate from the VRC got tipped this. Do you have any thoughts? So that is a random text to get on a Friday from Big Buttsy um before he goes on air tonight, so uh yeah, well, I so think
2: I think yeah and and for that reason, I mean, it's just a hard one because I think there will be a lot of sort of serious recreational punners for lack of a better term, maybe punners like you and i who who'd be looking to have anywhere from say. 100 to 500 on this horse. But whether the really big players that swing the market step into him, it, it'll be a tough one just because of that exposed form. But uh it's a good race, the Elwick Stakes. Just looking at the honour roll, I mean, Bello Bo, Turk Warrior, uh, Mystic Journey, who's the, the photo pick for this week's pod, uh, Patina Arena, Double D, Top Notch, Admiral, Grand Tycoon, seriously good two-year-olds. Oh,
1: it's an elite list.
2: Yeah, I mean, we'll see whether this year's two-year-old um, is one of those, but you've got to be in it to win it. And who knows? Let's hope it's oxy Bolt at 100-1, to 1 Bear. Wouldn't that be well, something? Well,
1: if it can't be oxy, um, if oxy wins, you need to make a little donation to my Derby Day Punners Club because uh, on your advice, we asked, I sent you a little text, what price would you take? And you told me. And so the, our Derby Day Punters Club have uh, launched into Thespian with a nice little bonus bet. So if uh, you can't get the chocolates, mate, hopefully Thespian can for our guys. Hopefully, a
2: Thespian. Yeah, that was just an error. Who, whoever the price assessor there that's put up eight or nine dollars um, might have just got a little. What the hell are you doing here, mate? When when that when that one when that one jumps, probably closer to two or three bucks. It'll be that. Mm-hmm. That, that might be. Uh, yeah, they'll be watching that one with uh, a bit of bait of breath. But good race the OX stakes. Nice way to to kick off into the other feature races. No particular order here, Bear, but we might jump to probably the second of the main events. It's the Summer Cup and it's worth $100,000 this year. It's another one that's um, managed to get a bump as far as the feature races go, which I really like to see. I think it's the final lead up to the Hobart Cup. It's always won by a good horse. Uh, And we've got a pretty good field here. Um, I think it's, light on in terms of depth, but but big at the top end. We haven't got a market at the time of recording, which is Friday afternoon. It's nearly three o'clock. Uh, I think the key chances bear will be a dark dream who comes over mm. from the Hayes stable. I'm told that he is stabling with Adam Trinder, a glass warrior who was dominant in the Brighton cup. And then we've got the Devonport cup form headed by the winner there. Swoop dog, uh, the summer cup. We were well. Actually, I might start by seeing what you want to give us. We we thought you might have a runner in this race, Bond Street Bows, not in the field.
1: No, Bond Street Bows no longer with our stable, unfortunately. I don't want to go into it too much, but the the main owner um, thinks it's in the best interest that the horse goes to Melbourne and is stable over there. So that's pretty disappointing. And obviously, when you've only got a five percent share, snap, you don't have much saying where the horse goes. So um, yeah. You, I'm no longer in, oh, i well, still name-wise are in Bond Street, but if there's anyone out there who wants to buy my 5% off, off me, let me know. Um, but yeah, it's disappointing, on it? But that's racing. There's worse things going on in the world than a horse being taken away from you. But, uh, it's a cracking race though, but I'm really, really keen on Glass Warrior here. I think Dark Dream being sort of eight years of age going on to nine probably needs a bit of give in the ground. I don't think you're going to get that on um Sunday and I I was just um, captivated is probably a good word. Glass Warrior smacked him the other day and she dropped a couple of kilos. Most of these go up four or five kilos and I just think she's uh <laughs> going to take a good one to beat her on Sunday.
2: Yeah, we we spoke about this race or, or Nick had a look at this race uh, for us ahead of that, Chad and He kind of nailed it, didn't he, in terms of the key Mm. chances. Just to the eye, Glass Warrior was absolutely outstanding. I mean, Elwick's a very difficult track to win like that in terms of taking a run and getting nothing to cut you in the race. So for those that, that might not be familiar with the layout, you sort of got to run up the hill as they go past what's now My State Bank Arena. You're pushing up the hill with nothing to take you into the race. And for her to still be strong... Uh, at the end of 2100 meters, it, w- it was a super performance and she's just a, a weighted special coming into this, a, a weight mm. for age versus everything else that comes out of that race. Uh, as footy said their dark dream, one for 17 for the Hayes camp. I guess he's got the runs on the board. He's got 2.3 million in prize money. Mm. So, uh, that's pretty handy. Uh, I, I found him a little bit difficult to line up um, in terms of that form. I mean, he's been doing the, the Country Cup circuit and, and probably the, the secondary tier uh, circuit in Victoria. I don't think he's immoral by any stretch of the imagination and I think Class Warrior is a, a pretty honest horse who has gone over to Melbourne and, and run some okay races at, at different stages. I think maybe she's been at the end of her preparations when she's gone over, so we didn't see the best of her either, but it was a good point raised to me by someone in the in the Tas Racing Office in terms of the Summer Cup. Bear with a with prize money to a hundred thousand this year, you'd normally look at this as maybe prelim semi final weekend heading towards a Hobart Cup. The reality is that the the cups are ripe for a horse to come over and win them this year with a hundred thousand on the line. I, I would be treating this like. A grand Final. If I'm say a glass warrior, in the understanding that it's probably unlikely I'll, I'll win a Hobart Cup, I want to go there, but something will come across and win this. And, and for that reason, I'm with you. I think she's clearly the best of the the locals, and I had her a clear favourite in this race. Uh, I marked her about. So I just go to the market. I had her at three forty. I had Dr- Dark Dream at four twenty. Uh, I had Travelling Gigolo I was clearly next best of the rest at around 550. I I know at the weight spare, he's pretty poorly treated, but he was very good in the Golden Mile, which means we can tie him back to Dramazing and a few horses like that. And you just know he's going to run the trip and he loves racing at Hobart. So I thought he was clearly Third pick. What, what do you make of the, the Devonport Cup form? Uh, Swoop Dog, Rising Light, White Hawk, Dramazing.
1: I probably had a, a little knock on Swoop Dog at the 22. That's just my personal opinion. Um, White Hawk. I mean, obviously we know he gets a trip. Probably Barrier suits him, but whether he's passed his best. Dramazing's probably a little bit the unknown. I mean, I thought that was a really, really good run in the Devonport Cup. It's obviously drawn a little bit better now. Never been to the um track before, so that's probably a little question mark. Um, but obviously I think we Dramazing obviously we both touched on I think when we had a chat that it was a really good run in the Devonport Cup. So um yeah, that that's the watch. But I I'm agreeing with you. I, I probably think traveling gigalos probably more of a main danger even than Dark Dream. I just think Dark Dream probably needs a bit of a softer track, but out of the locals, I think Glass Warrior clearly ahead of Travelling Gigolo, and I think the rest of them will all finish in a bunch. Uh, I mean, you you mentioned Rising Light as well. That was a great run in the Devonport Cup. Does it get 2,200, do you think?
2: I think that's that's probably the query with all of them out of the, the Devonport Cup form, isn't it? And uh it, it's probably why I've taken a little bit of a, a set against that form line, depending on what the market does. I think swoop dog we just have to see it, don't we? Like he's been given the absolute gun in the Devonport Cup in the last two years. And you wouldn't say he, he savaged eighteen eighty. Uh I think Johnny Black is probably more obligated to to have it to throw have a throw at the stumps here now. Otherwise maybe you're tipping him out and trying to win maybe a a George Adams off a couple of months fresh and perhaps yeah you could still do that here uh even if you fail rising light I don't know but you're right his run in the Devonport Cup was enormous never better than three wide unfortunately the gate beat him and and Dharma said to me after the Devonport Cup when we were in the yard he he came up to me and said do you reckon I win that if I didn't get the hip and shoulder and I said to him, probably not. But watching the replay, I mean, you, you can make a pretty strong case uh, that she could have Amazing, She was a, a huge run there mm. and still taking ground off them on the line. So she's a horse on the up. She gets to wait for age for the first time, Hobart for the first time, up in distance. Um, not sure she can win, but maybe she can run a placing with an eye to say dropping back to the minimum for a Hobart cut where – where maybe she can finish in the money. She's a really nice horse. So, um, probably bear not going any wider than say a, a glass warrior dark dream and travelling gigolo for the quaddy and, and maybe only even put two of those three in. But, um, yeah, yeah. good race, good race to summer cup in, yeah, in terms of the top and probably a, a pretty long tail, but nice that we've got that Devonport form line coming in to, to add a little bit of depth and a, a bit of an unknown to the race uh we'll take a really quick break and we'll come back and preview the other three features
1: Ladbrokes new bet ticket now available watch the exclusive live feed on your Ladbroke app and see where the big bets land get the down low on the download
2: Ladbrokes
1: gamble responsibly call
2: 1-800-858-858 next to the features that we will preview there is the Josiah Alice Millinery, Lady Lynette, over 1,100 metres, set weights and penalties. Probably got a standout here in terms of form, handicap rating. Uh, It's last year's VAMOS winner, Take the Sit, who resumes here off a pair of sensational trials. We've got the carpet charge runner-up, Emily. She's here, uh, a host of up-and-coming uh, Mares in Fairy Magic, Queenborough Flyer, Donna's Day, the Quinella from this race last year, Jaja Jar, Jar Chibugi, uh finished behind Miss Tuppence, and then the Winsenberg winner, Dumb Dunbar- Brodie Powers. So there's a few uh, storylines as such, but uh, which way are you leaning for the Lady Lynette?
1: I suppose it's, t- it's tough, mate, without a market, isn't it? Like, if Take the Sit went up a nice little price, obviously she's the class horse, and you know, she's given only two kilograms to Zade Stories, who's the bottom rated runner and it's 30 handicap points away. So, um, if they put a nice little price up, take this, it'll be keen. She's the class of the race. Um, she's, see, so she had a couple of trials. So I'd say it's been a target kickoff point. And if she has any luck, I think she'd be too good for them.
2: Yeah, she looks the one. We we spoke about those trial times at Longford on the 4th of January. Julius ran easily the fastest time of the session. The other two runners in that trial, not named Take the Sit, will peace be upon him, who has won, and Aushin Kansen, who has won. 1100 metres is short of Take the Sit's best, but um, there's every chance that, that she'll be too good here. Uh, I marked her $3 favourite. Um, I could see them putting up bigger. I could see them putting up shorter. And she's the clear pick for me. And then I, I found it pretty difficult to, to pick a second one here. Miss Tuppence doesn't appear to have really come up in the last mm. sort of couple of preps, unfortunately, Bear. I thought she was pretty plain uh, first up in Launceston. Yeah. She just doesn't seem to have that ping and, and turn of foot. She's racing a little bit dour. So, uh, I mean, Adam Trinder spoke uh, quite candidly in Launceston after the win of our Shinkansen about Miss Tuppence and basically said that, um, I think they're more hopeful rather than confident about her. My gut feel is, is that this might be a, a bridge too far for the likes of Fairy Magic, Queenborough Flyer and, and Donna's Day who are trending the right way, but, um, take the sits probably a, a level above and even so is probably Dunbrody Power. If you look at that Winsenberg yeah. form, I mean, Algernon. Second over, Liffy Bow was there and came out and ran a bottler in the carpet charge. Uh, the one I landed on a second pick, and I think she'll be there. And, and this horse is probably the hope in giving you a price about take the sit if you're keen there. And that's Emily, uh, who was a big run in defeat in the carpet charge. And uh, the market loves her. She start, started to sub... Uh, well, three tens, the biggest starting price she's had in her last four starts. So she's another one who's only lightly exposed in Hobart, but eight starts for Quinella four times is a pretty handy record.
1: Yeah, it's so nice house. What price did you have Fairy Magic marked at?
2: Uh, about nine dollars for me. What I about think she, she leads and and finds the front here, I think, and probably puts the handlebars down. The thing with Fairy Magic that was a bit of a deterrent to her, and they went very hard last time, but the, the time actually wasn't that quick. Um 105.94 was a, a few lengths slower than, I think, uh, Miami Sun that won on the same day. So she'll probably take improvement, but, yeah, I had her about a, a $10 chance here.
1: What price do you have for Barno? Uh For
2: Barno I had... S- I've got it $30 here, taking her mm. on a little bit. Again, I think she'll be back. Um, you can make a case for her. She was five fifty in the race behind Fairy Magic and, and hit the line really hard. Um, but, yeah, I think taking her on a bit, she'll be giving a start to some nice mares.
1: Yeah, I just thought she might be stripping a little bit fitter and she obviously went via um, Salt Cafe in Moon turning for home last start. So um she was oh, I thought she's actually a good run and um I know the stables been they've always thought they'll sort of run short every time they go on the races. And I think she'd strip fitter on Sunday. So if she was sort of put up around that thirty, thirty five dollar mark,
2: she might be worth a couple of dollars each way, but I'm pretty keen to take the sit here. Sounds like snap bet might need to reel in that thirty dollars bear just to, <laughs> just to protect myself well so she, her, her, prof, her profile her profile's not ridiculously dissimilar to say a Miss Tuppence, who came back in the field and, and swept past them here, so it's just whether it's that type of race that yeah. they can maybe get off the get over the top, but uh, you'd think take the sit is probably too good in the lady Lynette. Next of the features that we will take a look at, Bear, is the Aviso Taz Insurance Brokers 1000 Guineas, 75,000 on the line for this group of three-year-old fillies. Small but pretty select field here. We've got Jaguar Stone coming via the Guineas. Pink Beauty is a last start Hobart winner, as is Cloudy Nights and Justin Needs. We've also got Flying to Paris, who was probably a good thing beaten in defeat when knocked off by your horse, Nico the Greek. 1,000 guineas, Bear. This is one that I think punters might go a few different ways. I, I touched on those five there. I think they probably are the main five. No disrespect to the other three, but give us your take on the 1,000 guineas. I've
1: been waiting for Jaguar Stone to get to a Phillies only race, and we get that on Sunday. It's a little bit sticky, but I just think, yes, a couple of the horses in the race look to have a fair bit of upside. But I think Jaguar Stone, Troy Baker will take off at the 600, round him up, turn over home, and say, "See you later, boys and girls." And
2: well, she might say, "See you later, boys," unless he's talking to the other jockeys. No, I was still the jockeys. <laughs> I wasn't talking about the horses. I
1: was talking about his fellow colleagues on top of the horse.
2: Good save. Well, that. Talking to uh sorry, listening to Adam Trinder on Taz Racing TV the other night in the interview I referenced earlier, he said they'll probably ride Jaguar Stone a, a bit colder. Uh, he thought maybe she was a, ridden a little bit close last time, which is maybe why she won batted a little bit in the Guineas. So you could probably expect her to be ridden the way that, that you just described there, Bear. Um I was disappointed with her run in the in the Tazi Guineas. I, I know I guess if if you are being forgiving, it, it is just that. It's that she's a horse that needs to be allowed to settle and, and work through her gears and wind up. But she settled on the back of the leader and, a, and eventual winner in a very slow lead pace and, and really didn't ping from there. Maybe she's better ridden a little bit further out, but she did take a few inside runs in, in Launceston earlier in the campaign. So I'm inclined to, to take her on a little bit. I'm pretty... Keen on the chances here of Justin Needs, who was a huge run in the three-year-old trophy. uh, Back and wide, she had to come around the field. She ran fifth there. Uh, She then dropped back to maiden grade, was backed accordingly and won accordingly over 1,400 metres in what was a a track record at the time. It only lasts a couple of races, but it was good time there. She beat Mm -hmm. Berserker, who came out and won in Launceston. Uh, She draws four here for Brendan McCool, who goes aboard, riding at 56 kilos. And if we go back to the interview that we did with him a few weeks ago, Bear, he basically said... I can probably get down to 56 at a pinch and and perhaps she can take a lead if I get down to 56. Mm. So the light bulb's gone off there for me. I think she maps really well to be in the front half here in a race where there doesn't look to be a stack of speed. Pink Beauty will probably look to try and do what she did last time and dictate from the front, and and she'll be there a long time if she can be. Uh, Flying to Paris, barrier one, bandages go on for the first time, hopefully... Nothing too severe there, but she did protest unsuccessfully last time. She did have a chance in in the three-year-old trophy to run second behind Bello Bow. Obviously, he's just better than our three-year-olds. Wasn't going to win, but had the right run to run second there. And, um, probably no luck last time, but, um, flying to Paris lands in the first couple, but I'm just looking towards a, another couple here and, I think just the needs and the other one I could probably be with if, if the prices allow bears cloudy nights, uh, who yeah. was a big run when winning last time, had to round them up off a slow tempo beat. Did you decide who uh, came out and won next start as well? So like I said earlier with this race, there's a few different angles and I think you could kick up for probably five of them, but the two I'm leaning towards strongly just the needs with the saver on cloudy nights. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and obviously, Cloudy Knights is the only horse in the race that's won over the mile. So I think you have to take that in consideration when a lot of these are getting to the mile for the first time.
2: Yeah, and you'd think this is probably, these are our contingent that might head towards races like the Strut and the Oaks and, and have to try and fight off the mainlanders that might be looking to come across. Last of the features, Bear, one of the all time greats, GG's Black Flash has been honoured with a, an 1,100-metre race worth $75,000. I mean, he he probably most famously known for his staying triumphs, but he did win over the sprint journeys early in his career, G's Black Flash. Uh This is a race for three-year-olds only. Again, no market. Fear the Sting gave the 1,100-metre track record a bit of a scare, went within a length of it, I think, when winning a maiden here last start. A bold instinct. Had no luck in the three-year-old cup last time. Gigi Jetby uh, one of the best two-year-olds last season, is here. Sistine, a nice last start winner, as is Miami Sun. They probably look to be the key chances. Nice win by Fear the Sting Bear. Uh Managed to sting us and plenty of others mm-hmm. when she went under in Launceston. But if you stuck fat, uh, she well and truly did the job last time. And Zulu Angels given that form a bit of a push.
1: It has. Just a question without notice here, Snap. Um, I think it's great that the club's putting on a a race in honour of one of our greatest ever Tasmanian horses. And obviously the prize money is great. Why is the Carbine Club just being changed to just be called a handicap on derby night and still be only worth 30,000? Like, Over the years, the Carbine Club has been a pretty prestigious race for three-year-olds on Derby Day or Derby Night. And I just was looking through and obviously seeing this race come up. And I think it's a fantastic innovation to have such good prize money. But I think I just can't work out why the Carbine Club's just called the three-year-old handicap now worth 30. So anyway, that's just a thought for another day. I'm not sure if you've got an answer for that at all. Well, I think, I I think
2: the, I think the Carbine Club. Handicap, I guess, will still be known as the Carbine Club Handicap. It does carry a Tazbred bonus as well. So if you're a Tazbred horse, it, I guess it's essentially worth 50 is all I can say in relation to that. Okay.
1: All right. We'll just leave it at that then. Um Yes, now I fear the sting will be very well found in the market. I actually love the trial of Bold Instincts. Um, I love the engagement of Brendan McCall and I I think, uh, it'd be nice if they put up sort of four or five dollars there. And that's the one I'd be pretty keen on. And I actually thought Sistine was a really solid winner last start as well. So, um, I'm inclined a little bit to risk the sting from Barrier Nine. I think Perez will have to work pretty hard as it is to find the top, but just think from the barrier, Brendan might be able to kick up and hold him out.
2: Yeah, I'm with you, bold instinct. Uh, Thought he was really good first up with 51 kilos. Chloe in the saddle chased home Bello Bow and Jaggy was thrown only one and a half lengths behind there. Drew's shocking in the 3 rod trophy and that was a pickup ride for Cody Jordan because Dean Yendall's flight was cancelled. Senior rider goes back on here, as you said, a pretty good trial there at Longford in what was, uh, I think, the second fastest time for that session. It was, uh, barrier two, favourable. Fear the Sting, just a real stinger in terms of the draw bear, isn't it? Like she's probably mm. going to have to try and spear across the field. If she can, Uh she showed last time. I mean, 105.35 is probably going to be good enough to win this race if she's able to get across and she might just be too f- fast for them. Um you'd think in a field this size, and there does look to be a bit of speed that she might have to be gassed a little bit. As you say, Sistine form was Frank Frank by Nico, the Greek. I, I just think 1100 might be a little bit sharp for her. She'll be strong late, but uh I'd rather her at, at 1200 for this race. But yeah, I'm pretty keen on, on bold instinct. I'm, I'm with you there. I think he ticks a few boxes. Winkers gate, McCool, nice trial uh, has had a run in Hobart. Um, yeah, we might be able to get a price there if, if they go up pretty short. Fear the sting, but really good program on Sunday, Barry. Are you, you heading out?
1: Yeah, I'll head out. I'm definitely, I've got, we deserve this is in race three. So I'll, um, be out there for him and he's up in class a bit, but he's fit and well and he might be able to run into a place. But yeah, I mean, why would you not go if you've got nothing on? Why wouldn't you go if you haven't got anything on? Like it's a cracking day of racing and, Obviously, the pod is probably going to be our longest pod, but when you've got good races like this to discuss, there's just no, we can't do much about the time the pod takes. So hopefully everyone driving down from up north listens in on Sunday. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting out there. And obviously after this, we've got sort of nearly less than three weeks to Hobart Carp and Derby night. So um it's a nice little prelude.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a beauty. I have no official capacity out there other than coming out to try and collect the Elwick Stakes trophy with, with the uh, 100 to 1 pop I've got. So. Yep, beautiful. Uh, Bev will be doing Taz Racing TV and, uh, doing a, a great job as he always does. Uh, Bear's Brief this week. Well, we thought that you used up your airtime with the chat with Nick Foot, uh, Bear. So yes, you're, you're just taking a, a week off from Bear's Brief and, and Snap Special. Up. I'll keep it brief. I just wanted to uh touch on what's happening on King Island this week with the the Miners Rest Cup. Now I've I've never been to King Island. I'll probably mention it on the podcast this before, but everyone that that goes to King Island just couldn't speak highly of it enough of it and uh, there's been a, a huge amount of interest in this year's season, driven by six prominent Victorian stables, mainly Henry DeWye, but he managed to get on board Kieran Maher, uh, Tony and Calvin McAvoy, Andrew Noblett, Andrew Bobbin and Archie Alexander. They basically purchased six slow horses. They've been going around at King Island with the eye to all race against each other for this Minus Res Cup. They managed to get six corporate partners to come on board. It's worth $20,000 and Basically, anyone who's anyone in, in racing media and, and whatnot will be heading to King Island this weekend for what promises to be a, a terrific weekend. I think they'll enjoy uh, the sights of King Island and everything that, that goes on there. And the aim is that uh, something similar will, will happen every year. And just to put my company hat on a little bit, um, I guess there's it's easy to throw rocks at, at taz racing and when king island was struggling there's sort of a, a school of thought that taz racing doesn't do anything to support racing over there uh, taz racing provides a couple of hundred thousand dollars annually to support racing on king island along with rider and race day staff flights and transporting Uh, well covering the cost of horses to and from the island, not only both to Tasmania and Victoria. So there's a lot that Taz Racing does to ensure that the show goes on on King Island understanding that they're non-TAB meetings that don't necessarily generate anything in terms of revenue for the industry. So uh, there's a lot of expenditure there without income. So uh, it's been great that a lot of sponsors have got on board for that this year and Taz Racing have come to the parties, they always do. So everyone that's heading to King Island on Saturday for that race meeting, I'm sure they'll enjoy the local brews, the local beef, the local seafood bear. I'm not a seafood man myself, but I'd be smashing the steaks. That's for sure. And oh, yeah. uh, I'd be looking to get on those golf courses. Uh, when I get over there, I'll be taking the sticks. That's for sure.
1: Well said, Snap. Hopefully one day they might fly you and I over there to do the pod from over there or something.
2: Jeez. Oh, We're just trying to get you into the corporate box of the Chargers first before yeah. we can get uh, well, to the Chargers. Not the Chargers, the Jumpers.
1: All right. You haven't got many more games unless I'm at the finals to get me in there. But if you can sneak me in there, mate, I'll be greatly appreciated.
2: I reckon I can definitely get you near the charges though, if the jack jumpers doesn't, doesn't go through. <laughs> Should mention too that, that lad have a market up on that, uh, miners rest cup. A horse called a is even money favourite. I can't do tell you anything about the maps or what might win or if that's value, but they do have a market if you're looking for a bet. Uh, we've only got markets on the one race bear, but, um, have you got a best for Hobart on Sunday?
1: Yeah, I'm very keen glass warrior, and I think in race two, I think Banker Tom's nearly ready to win. I love the fact Taylor Johnson could take three kilos off. I reckon there's a fair bit of pace in this race, and I think Tom's getting fitted with every run. I think he'll swoop down the middle of the track and I'll have to get the money for us.
2: Love it. Really good betting card in Hobart on Sunday. I think it's going to really set the scene. We're right into the thick of it. basically the- the Fiji Cups will be rolling around. We will next record ahead of that Friday program uh, next week there. It's the and Guineas uh, and the Ladbroke Stakes. And then we've got a little bit of a break then in, in the calendar. it uh, be nice just to recharge before uh, we, I think we roll into well, nearly the derby. I think we've got Gold Sovereign and then we'll be into derby in the cut.
1: Look forward to it. Getting very, very excited.